Hey, it's Papa Novak here with Mark Joyner. You're in for a double treat here on episode 12 of No Wristbands We Drink for Free. We've got two of the most dynamic women in the Chicago music community with us. Katie Tutton from The Hideout and Jennifer Eslin from The Annoyance Theater join us to discuss what it's like to own and operate an entertainment venue in Chicago. They also explain how important the Chicago Independent Venue League has been in preserving our incredible and diverse live venue scene. Here we go. So we are joined today by Katie Tutton and Jennifer Eslin of the Annoyance Theater and Hideout. Uh, how are you? How are you, ladies, doing today? Great. All right. Uh, so, Katie, I'm going to jump off with you. Can you talk to us about uh, how you came to be involved in, in owning the the Hideout? Okay, so my dad was a regular at the hideout. When I say regular, he probably went there once or twice a month. Um, he called on a client that was across the street, International Steel. Mm-hmm. He would never tell us where, the, where it was. <laughs> my husband, Tim, and I, at that time we were dating, we would drive all around and try to find it. And he finally took pity on me and gave me some cross streets. Uh-huh. <laughs> I walked in. It was awesome because there was my dad's bestie, Tom Shaughnessy. And he was like, oh, no, (laughs) secrets out. Yeah, the secrets out. And (laughs) the thing about the hideout was, is, you know, there was no advertising. It It was supposed to be a secret. And we didn't know if it was really called the hideout or if it was my dad's hideout. Uh (laughs) Um, Anyhow, so then out of respect for the folks that made it their hideout. We would go there occasionally. And Tim always had like great ideas. Like, you know, if I own this bar, I do this, that, and the other. (laughs) So when the owner's husband passed away, Chucky, the wife, Eleanor said, okay, Mr. Big Shot, you want to buy the bar? And we were like, oh my God. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I guess. And then (laughs) we approached Tim's two grade school friends, Mike and Jim Hinchliff, who were bachelors at the time. And the four of us bought the hideout. I mean, it was That's amazing. Um, we had no aspirations really to own a bar. Um, it was just, we wanted to kind of protect the integrity of it because there were a lot of factories around there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a whole trend for burn bars. And we wanted to make sure that they would continue to feel welcomed in this sacred space of theirs. Mm-hmm. And because I had gone to school at the University of Texas in Austin in the golden years, 1979 to 1983, um, we wanted to have music. And they had had music there, but mostly like jukebox or things of that nature. And thus it was launched. But seriously, we had no idea what we were doing. We were like, <laughs> yeah, we'll just, we worked every shift. We weren't open on Saturdays and people are like, how can you own a bar and not be open Saturdays? We need a day off. We all had day jobs. We (laughs) one daytime bartender and there it is the birth of the hideout. And as my dad always says to me, you don't own the bar. We own the bar one year. (laughs) And I really take this to heart. So Uh the hideout is, you know, this, one of our staff members wrote on the chalkboard outside, welcome to your hideout. And it's true. We've always talked to staff as well as the customers about like, what do they want? And so it's kind of been like a co-op of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love that. It is it's sort of in a nutshell. In some ways, it's probably easier to have had no experience to jump in and own a bar than know what you were getting into, right? Oh, for sure. I told <laughs> well, if we had any idea that the hours we'd have to work and the uh, limited financial return, we'd be like, that's crazy. <laughs> Who would ever do that? You know? And I remember we went to the bank and they said, do you have a business plan? And we were like, uh, uh, we'll get back to you on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure and, beers. Yeah. Yeah. And so we went to Weeds and they had a how to write a business plan for a bar. And the owners of Weeds gave us the book. We went back, wrote a business plan. And it's kind of funny because we look back on it 
And every now and again, when we're cleaning out the files and we've kept that document and it's interesting because what we dreamed really kind of came true mm-hmm. we it to be a community house, a salon, but not in the snobby sense mm-hmm. <laughs> where people could try out new things or it would be a stage. You know, we worked for uh, not for profits and we knew how important it was for people to have space to do fundraisers. And, and we knew a lot of uh, artists. So, you know, it kind of all just came together, but it's shocking that it's, we're in our 26th year now. Nice. Oh, like, that's amazing. How did yeah. we get here? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jennifer, how about you? So you are, an, or you are an actor. You did school at Northwestern, I believe. Right. And then you, you left and came back and then you're like, Hey, I want to deal with the annoyance. How did, how did that all happen? So, yeah, I had been acting with the annoyance for a while. And then I did um, some stuff with second city and then I went off to New York and I was, I was living there and acting and, um, but uh, still kind of going back and forth every now and again to Chicago. Um, Mick Napier, the owner of the annoyance at that time, um, he had shot a film with all the, the ensemble of the annoyance. And so I was trying, I was helping to edit it and we finally got it edited and sold it at the, the film festival in New York, New York um, feature film festival. And so we were like, that's cool. Let's do more of this film stuff. <laughs> and so uh, they, at that time, the annoyance was on Clark street and we had this huge building. It was a really incredible space and, and a really, really big basement. Um, and despite the fact that it flooded off and we decided that would be a great place to build a soundstage. <laughs> we started that build out and we had gotten the audio booth created and everything and started with drywall. And then um, the landlord let us know that he was selling the building. So it was like, Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I was still back and forth from New York. And at that time, um, the guy who was kind of like running the annoyance, said, you know, he'd sort of had enough. And um, so I said, well, I'll, I'll come back and, you know, figure out how we can get a new space or a new annoyance. So I came back and um, it took us about almost a year and a half. Weirdly, we also had a business plan thing. We, we ended up, um, there was a business plan competition in that the Chicago Tribune was running. And so we were (laughs) like, that's a way to get some money. Right. So, we did this business plan competition and ended up coming in as one of the final 10. Um, so we got oh, wow. a lot, uh, some, we got some media attention and we got um, some consulting with McKinsey, which helped out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we finally found a space in Uptown and built that out. And was that uh, on Broadway? Yeah. 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 Uh, Broadway. It was a great space. Yeah, it was really fun. And it was nice because we were able to, we, we designed it. And so we were able to kind of get exactly what we wanted or what we thought we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we learned, you know, we spent about six and a half years there and learned that we didn't really have enough space to um, kind of have the community that we needed, which was all the people who took classes with us were down the street above the green mill. Um, and so often they would just come out of class and get on the bus and go home or maybe go to the green mill. Uh, mm-hmm. But they weren't feeling like they were a part of the, the community at the, over at the theater, which was just down the block. So we really felt like we needed to find a space that could contain all of it and uh, looked around for a long time. And then this space that we're at now on Belmont um, opened up and we were like, oh, my God, that's that's the dream. That's mm-hmm. exactly where we started a, a half a block from one of our original spaces on Wilton. Oh, wow. And uh, so we built that out and. Also, similarly, when we built the Uptown space, you know, we spent all this time getting money and trying trying to figure out how to get it up and going. And we were told that, like, to get a liquor license, you had to have a liquor license attorney. And it was like $30,000 just for the attorney. Oh mm-hmm. like, $30,000, that's, that's our whole build-out fund. That's everything. <laughs> so I was downtown all the time dealing with the people and, you know, crying and asking for their help. And we got the license. And I remember the day that we got it, I got off the train at at, um, Lawrence and uh, Mick and a bunch of people that were working on the space were sitting outside at the crew bar that was over there at the time. And I'm like, I got it. I got the license. (laughs) And I I was just having a beer and I was like, 
oh my God, I have no idea how to run a bar. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so then that began that whole process of, yeah, like, how do you, I don't know how to run a bar. I talked right. to friends and Ray at Martyrs was really helpful to me. And, you know, slowly but surely we made it and we love the space we're in now. Our classes are in the basement and people can come right upstairs after and have a beer and watch a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love this idea that you both built these and like recognize the importance of the community that you were in and a part of Uh, Mm -hmm. what what makes that community so unique. And we'll start with you, Jennifer, in your your case. Uh, For us, it's unique because um, the annoyance has always been sort of labeled as like the island of misfit toys. Mm -hmm. Um, People. We, it's really been important to us the whole, since the very beginning to, to say like, you can do anything on this stage. You can find your voice on this stage, as long as it's not hurting somebody or, you know, being racist or homophobic or any, anything, as long as it's um, true and you, we want to see what it is. And so uh, we weren't sort of limited to just doing improv or just doing sketch. We were doing musicals and plays and all kinds of weird stuff. So to me, the, the, the sense of that community and, and the thing that makes me love doing it is watching people find their voice and helping that to, to come alive. It's, it's a joy to do. Yeah, awesome. I love that. Uh, Katie, how about you? Okay. I almost burst out laughing when Jennifer said we consider ourselves the misfit toys. That's <laughs> what I was going to say. <laughs> there's two it's islands. So yes. Yeah. So- there's two islands. Yes, there's two islands, and um, or maybe we're the continent, and everyone else is the island. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, again, it's defined by the community itself. So, you know, and as Jennifer said, it's a a place for people to find their own voice, experiment, try new things. Um, I realized one month when I was, you know, I still am pretty close to booking the hideout, and this one time someone said. Oh, do you only book uh, female bands? And I'm like, what? And I looked at the schedule and sure enough, like one entire month was all female performers. And I was like, whoa, this is. <laughs> and it was um, I was just kind of bored with all the music I was hearing. And then there was a time where anybody who had a costume was in <laughs> some color on the stage and, nice. you know, kind of feeding my own appetite of what I wanted to see. But um, I think it's really important that the uh, Jennifer and I have kind of succeeded. And I think it speaks to the fact that we do listen to and our community and will bring to our stages what they find interesting. And we allow people to be themselves and to try new things. And, um, you know, we've often had shows where there aren't a lot of people there and then they go on to find great fame and fortune, but really it's, you know, if we're true to our mission, which is, you know, it has to be good. Somebody has to uh, welcome it. We've had some bands that I'm, you know, might necessarily be my t- taste, but our bartenders love that heavy metal, you know, there's <laughs> <laughs> uh, time and place for everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. And luckily we have seven days in a week and Mm -hmm. oftentimes two completely different shows in a day. So there's a lot of, you know, we have time to fill. So it works. Uh, Having those moments where you're like, oh, crap, I shit. We can swear on this podcast. Shit. I own a bar now. I I just got a liquor license. I don't know how to run a bar. Uh, When did you guys. Uh, and I hate to use you guys when I'm talking to you, yeah, but right. it's Chicago. Right? We all no, see you guys. I'm trying to I'm trying to get rid of it. Uh, when did you both re- hit your stride and say like, okay, yeah, I've kind of figured this out now. Like, yeah, this is gonna work. <laughs> I don't know if I've hit it, it still yet. Hasn't <laughs> happened, right, Jennifer? <laughs> we call each other when we find something that we're struggling with. Mm-hmm. We lean upon each other because. Everyone has different institutional knowledge. And so without fail, once a week, someone will call me or I'll call someone else within our group to ask for guidance or support or advice. It's and Jennifer, don't you think it's a never ending learning curve? Completely. Yeah. You might think you've got it all down and then it's like, there's what that I have to do now? And 
you know, some new city. Oh, the basement flooded again. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, that has happened every single space that we've been in. We've never gotten away from the flooding basement. I have some really gross videos. (laughs) (laughs) Some people, they they break a bottle of champagne to Chris the new space. It seems like annoyance is like, we'll have our basement flood. Yes. Yes. There you go. (laughs) And and thankfully, we've always been surrounded by like some other great, you know, comedy sports has been hugely helpful to us. We'll call and we'll be like, we're flooded again. Can we do a class in your space? (laughs) Um, and same thing, like I, I have a weekly meeting with uh, um, the owner of Laugh Out Loud Theater out in Schaumburg and the Revival Theater um, on the south side. The three of us meet every week without fail. And really, that's just been since the pandemic and just kind of helping each other, like what, you know, talking about what can we do? And we're supposedly competitors, but we're very friendly mm-hmm. competitors. Do you think that's a, a Chicago specific thing? Like you obviously did art and performance in New York. Did you feel that same sense of community there? Or is it a uniquely Chicago thing? I do think it's pretty unique to Chicago. Like in many of the other, at least in the improv scene, in many of the other cities, there's much more of a sort of like, either you work there or you work here. And I have to credit Mick Napier um, and Sharna Halpern and Andrew Alexander because Mick got them to get the annoyance was sort of one of the worst perpetrators of being sort of assholes um, <laughs> way back when. And Mick got tired of it. And he just uh, went to Sharna and to Andrew and said, Hey, what, let's just all agree to be good with each other and support each other. And that really took hold. Mm-hmm. And to this day still does even to where now um, as of about two months ago, um, Mick and I are helping to relaunch the IO theater. Oh, wow. That's is, amazing. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're consulting with the new owners and trying to get it back up and running. Cause we think in general, it's really just good for Chicago to have mm-hmm. more improv mm-hmm. here and have it be, you know, a place where everybody feels like that's the place to go. So I would, uh, I would think that, um, one of the advantages that both of you have in your situation is you know, you're not a corporation with a manager running your, your facility. Um, you're hands-on, you're there probably pretty much every day. You know, if I walk into the hideout, usually I'm having a conversation with Tim or Katie, you know, um, and, and so I, I would, I would imagine that's how you learn a lot about what you want to do with your, with your venue. Well, Tom, uh, we have a manager and without her, we'd be like totally screwed. Okay, sure. So we yeah. <laughs> uh, we only we got a manager a couple of years ago and we were like, oh, my God. <laughs> awesome. Shout her out. What's her name? What's her and name? Elise Blander. And All she, right. Well done, Elise. Because she's a behind the scenes kind of person. Mm-hmm. She really she is unbelievable business sense and keeps everything aligned. And but to your point of. Do you think it's unusual for Chicago, which kind of parlays beautifully into the Chicago independent venue? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you see, you saw what I was doing there. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, good for you. Awesome. So um, what happened was I uh, was having a glass of wine at my friend Marie's house. And I read this article about Sterling Bay and Live Nation. And I'll never forget, mm-hmm. I was like, not on my watch. <laughs> I just started calling some venue owners and uh, that I knew. And Tim and I went club to club. We met with all these wow. venue owners and said, you know, we have a really beautiful thing here in Chicago that most of us are independent. Um, there's only two sites in Chicago at this time that are run by multinational a publicly traded corporation. Um, and everyone was like, I'm in. And then what happened was because we started civil, there were groups that were like flying Gomez and I, we were both the co-chairs like around the country to talk about what we did and how we did it and why we did it. And at one of the um, presentations we did in North Carolina, sitting in the audience was um, Moose, was the executive director of now the National Independent Venue Association, Dana Frank, who was the president, um, and many other members who are now in leadership roles of NEVA. So when COVID hit, we were on this call, there was about 30 of us, and uh, it was decided we should do what Chicago did and, and come together nationally. And 
there was a couple of uh, other places that venues had come together and theaters, mm-hmm. Berlin, Seattle, but it wasn't as uh, solidified as we were in Chicago. And um, it totally, you know, I don't know what I would have done if I did not have Sybil and Neva during COVID because it was brutal. Mm-hmm. But I mean, people would burst out crying on our calls. You know, we just supported each other and, um, you know, would bring resources to the table and share what we knew. And I mean, we still now continue to work this way, but now mm-hmm. across the country and states and cities, there are organizations similar to civil and it's wonderful. And Neva of course is, you know, pretty powerful. You know, we got the save our stages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, Jennifer, do you remember the first time Katie approached you about uh, civil? I, you know, I was just, asked, did you hear about it from her? I didn't hear about it from Katie. I can't remember, you know, it was during the pandemic and I was, like a crazy person, like, what do we do? How am I going to get through this? You know, what can, and I think, um, I think I found just some, a, a, an article or something online and I just showed up at one of the meetings and then mm-hmm. it was like, well, this is cool. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I have to shout out Katie because I mean, fearless leader doesn't even begin to describe like uh, we did meet weekly and, and sometimes even more. And, um, and none of us, we were all floundering, not knowing what to do, but Katie gave us such incredible leadership to say like, here's what you do. We got to get organized and we got to get loud. And we did. And, you know, thank God, um, the, the, the shuttered venues operator grant, which was what save our stages became, Mm -hmm. um, did finally get to us. And, uh, you know, unfortunately not to everybody, but so many venues were saved because of that. And really it was, uh, through the leadership that Katie had and as well as Neva that all of us pulled through, it was incredible. Yeah. I was reading on civil's website, a great website, by the way, uh, the, that no independent venues in Chicago closed as a result of COVID. And I was like, that's amazing. So kudos to you. Yeah. With, you know, unbeknownst to us, um, we were uh, called out as the crown jewel in the country for independent venues. And, you know, you get in your own little world, you're unaware. Sure. And yeah, people, you get your bubble. Oh, you don't understand, like, you're one of the few cities that has more independent venues than any other city. Mm-hmm. A smaller footprint of, you know, Live Nation AEG and you know, so we just wanted to protect the venues here in town. But um, so when we when civil started, there were seven founding members. And I think now, Jennifer, what do we have, like 52? Yeah, it's amazing. we very early on recognized Jennifer's talents and just started to bring her in more and more. <laughs> and now Jennifer is on the executive committee and we are just thrilled because she's a brilliant writer, big thinker can strategize in ways that the rest of us could not. And, you know, and rightfully so always reminds us it's not just, you know, music venues. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, right, 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 right. Yeah. You know, and she also connected us to um, the Chicago League of Theaters. Now mm-hmm. a very nice relationship with them. And we work in partnership with them because many of our needs are similar and our issues, mm-hmm. challenges and successes are similar. So, you know, and again, it's, I feel so lucky because we have so many talented people who have helped us along the way, you know, members of civil and just imagine if you will, I mean, it's all entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so a lot of big personalities. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. I would like the, I I would think, um, you know, obviously, uh, civil kind of started because of Lincoln Yards and you had the pandemic to deal with. But I would also think that the fact that now you've got this whatever great group of 50 something people who are um, amazing thinkers, that there's got to be lots of other benefits just from getting a chance to talk about the issues together as a group. Totally. Like, there, you must have at some point you must have said, 
God, we should have done this sooner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we tried years ago. Something tried to happen. But, you know, like many things in life, it's when there's a crisis that mm-hmm. people Mm-hmm. Simply come together. And I'll never forget one of the last meetings before COVID. I mean, our meetings were getting pretty uh, to, uh, to the rest of the world, pretty boring, but exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's got a plumber, you know, <laughs> yeah. plumber, who's yeah. your that guy. And, you know, all very important to us, but uh, you know, and so we we're just going through de-escalation, sexual harassment training, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, the regular checklists of if you own a venue or a theater and then COVID. But, you know, now we're back to, you know, a little bit more like you got a plumber. Yeah. <laughs> but so- we're a unified voice, so they can't really, um, the powers that be can't ignore us. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, even, even recently, it's been hugely helpful just as Chicago goes through these changes and, you know, are mm-hmm. we masked? Are we not masked and everything to have to be able to mm-hmm. talk with each other and say, what are you doing? How is it working? How are you dealing with, you know, this situation or that? And to know that, uh, that we're unified in that has been mm-hmm. a huge help to all of us. Yeah. It's going to be mm-hmm. feel a lot less alone. Yeah. 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 And- and I think it's 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 been important to the the you know to your customers to the the people attending the venues to have some sort of consistency. You know, if I go from one club to another club and they have completely different things going on, it kind of gets a little annoying. But uh, you know, because you guys kind of set the tone for it, um, it, it, it was kind of a consistent experience. Well, get ready to be annoyed because <laughs> um, as Joe Shanahan always reminds us, and while he has been such a wonderful resource to all of us, we call him the mayor uh, and we're all the aldermen, you know, <laughs> we're independent. So, you know, they wanted a statement from us, like, are we all going to be mm-hmm. back? Are we all going to ask for mass? And a- across the board, it's different mm-hmm. for everyone. So, the next couple of months, I, I'll apologize in advance. It is going to be a little confusing to people. So we started a campaign called No Before You Go. Mm-hmm. I like that. You know, yeah. I've, been, I've been seeing those emails. Yeah. Yep. So and, you know, it'll change with time. So we like surveyed our staff and, you know, they're at a certain point now and in a couple of weeks that could change. So mm-hmm. That was really cool too, though, to see like as we grew as a group and went through all this together, then we finally got to this point where um, just recently, you know, the city dropped the mandates and and there was not uniform agreement. And we sort of moved through that difficulty and then came up with the the no before you go campaign. And it was really it was really nice to see like, OK, we were still unified on let's make sure that we get that message out, even though we're going to be handling it a little bit differently. Yeah, that that speaks volumes to what you guys have created, right? Like mm-hmm. you can have discourse and it's okay to not be totally aligned on everything. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, one thing we never talk about because, well, aside from the fact that it would be not immoral, but it wouldn't be right, is we never talk about what we pay the bands, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll never forget there was one meeting and this one, there was only seven of us. And at the end of the meeting meeting was done i looked around the room i said okay who got the jeff parker show because like (laughs) bet on that show yeah and yeah and it yeah it turned out to be dorian's and i was like bravo to you you know and he had this whole they were going to make it this magical room and transform the room and i was like yeah you should have gotten it because (laughs) like he put his best foot forward and and then of course COVID hit so he was not able to do the show but we're very careful to never discuss any of those types of things, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There still has to be that respect. There's gotta be that line. Yeah. Well, um, and we're competitors, you know? Yeah, right. for sure. Uh, something I'm, I've been really impressed with from reading everything's in the newspaper and on your website and everything like that is that it would be really easy to be upset about something going on and just like, Hey, let's get all these people in a room and we'll just complain about it. But it's been very action oriented. Was that like, was that something that came very naturally to the group or was it like, all right, let's have our moment to complain and now let's come up with a plan to move forward. It seems like that's like 
largely Katie and then um, sort you know the original seven because they they founded it to, to be action oriented. I think that's just carried through. And then when I came in, I immediately got the sense of like, oh, this is not just show up and sit and listen. This is mm-hmm. like something. And um, it was it was actually invigorating to see and to feel like, OK, well, there's you know, there's things you actually can do. So let's do them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm a social worker by training and a community organizer. Um, and so from the beginning, I knew it was absolutely imperative that um, people feel vested. And, you know, I laugh because Jennifer just is, you know, my mother, my mother would always say like, people want to help, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. is there anything I can do to help? I was like, okay. <laughs> Quickly was like, I go, I need someone to volunteer for Neva's membership. And she's like, I'm on it. <laughs> so people really rose to the occasion and, you know, everyone's voices were heard, have been heard and valued. And, you know, people will stay connected if they feel that there is something, you know, it sounds cynical and I don't mean it to sound cynical, but if there's something in it for them, they have some sort of value. And as Jennifer said, like so many of us were in the, you know, we were kind of in the dark, didn't know what to do. But because we're a united group, we were able to get these meetings with the Chicago Department of Public Health, Mm -hmm. the head of the Illinois Department of Public Health, like not just, you know, somebody that worked there. We were able to talk to leadership and then, oh, my God, Jennifer, how about it? Bobby from Thalia Hall. He runs the reopening committee. He's phenomenal. He, oh my gosh, in fact, I got to text him. <laughs> um, so he took his we're job seeing, very seriously. sausages made right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right. <laughs> so um, and none of this could happen if not for the collective group, without question. Yeah. Everybody carries their weight, you know? That's amazing. Uh, yeah. what, have you... When- one of the things that we talk about on the show often is, you know, what a treasure it is in Chicago to have all these incredible independent venues. I mean, it's unlike, as as you had previously said, um, it's unlike other cities. Um, the the fact that we have so many and such variety, um, and it it seems like kind of when it serves their purpose, sometimes the city of Chicago will mention that, uh, but maybe not always supported as much as they should. So I'm wondering if having joined together with civil, if that's helped you in dealing with the city of Chicago and dealing with, you know, uh, D case and, and, and organizations like that, has that, has that been productive for you? Absolutely. We, I mean, we now have, um, you know, sort of go-to people that in the city that we can talk to and that recognize us as a group that, has some um, power behind it. And uh, it's, it's been just a huge difference. I would say like before having um, worked with everybody in civil, I just sort of was like doing what I did and, and every once in a while we'd go down to city hall for whatever we needed. But now I feel like I'm, I'm sort of more politically involved than I ever have Mm -hmm. been in my life. And, and um, understanding how it works and, and how coming together is like, oh, that's powerful. Like we can get a meeting with so-and-so at the, at the, at city hall. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it's, it's made a huge difference. And I think that the city is um, for sure more aware now of what, what Chicago has and the stories that people, the, the incredible stories that we heard during the pandemic of People telling, you know, at this at this bar or this venue, I, I did this in my life. You know, my family was there. Uh, I met my wife, all kinds of things like mm-hmm. that. And Chicago has so many stories like that because of all these venues. It was funny because, um, as I said, uh, you know, these are pretty substantial people, right? They have taken their little clubs and made them huge. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd, I'd call them and say, you know, you got to call congressman so-and-so. And they're like, what? You know, <laughs> see them nervous or edgy. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, you, you like you guys talk to huge talent and you've taken great risks in your life. And, uh-huh. and, 
And they, you know, they all rose to the occasion and would make these very difficult calls, meet with the elected officials. Um, you know, a lot of them probably maybe had like met their alderman or they'd have a fundraiser at their venue, but they had never really had um, these very complicated conversations. And again, people showed up, did the work and, you know, and now, you know, we have a running list. Who are your state reps, your, you know, state senator, your, in fact, yesterday we just sent out letters to our Illinois delegation, our congressional members. And the other thing is, I'm so proud of this. It's, it's so funny. So when Neva Save Our Stages started, they asked us to, you know, shoot out emails to our constituents and ask them to make phone calls to the elected officials in Chicago or Illinois was second in the country for the most wow. And California is the only state that beat us. And that's because they have so many more people. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, hello, New York. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but it just shows it's not the venues. It's the people that come to our mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. spaces that they were like, oh man, we got to make sure these guys survive because, you know, there was vulture capitalists like circling us. I bet. Pay 10 cents on the dollar. Right. And it was like, Oh, my God. I, I can't even imagine what life would be like if we hadn't gotten this relief. And even um, the state, um, they had some grants in the beginning. Uh, oh, my God. Those phone calls were nuts. Like they they mm-hmm. could not conceptualize what we were talking, like who we were, what our pain points were. And luckily, someone in the governor's office was a guy that went to shows all the time. But they, you know, so the city gave us some relief, the state gave us, um, we called them bridge grants until we got the federal funding. But Mm -hmm. it was funny to see these movers and shakers a bit intimidated. Yeah. (laughs) But they, you know, they just, I said, you know, pretend like you're talking to a big agent, you know, and they were like, and you want to win the show. Uh Got it. You know. Venue owners, they're just like us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Right. Sorry. Bad joke. Bad joke. Uh, so what is what is something that you've taken away from civil that you've brought back to to your space that you've been like, oh, I, I didn't do it like that. That makes so much more sense. I'm going to bring back this idea to to my to my club, to annoyance, to the hideout. Employee manual. Oh, I like that. <laughs> um. I'm forever cutting and pasting other venues like um, their messaging for, you know, the vaccine verifying masking. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, You know, I've talked to him about different best practices. Let's, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there's um, uh, one of our members, Chris Bauman, uh, worked really hard with the Neva um, group committee on insurance. And so that's been something that has got, you know, gotten a lot of attention. And now many of us um, are able to provide, provide insurance for gig workers like that usually Mm -hmm. can't get it and health insurance. Um, And, and I know that that initiative is, getting even stronger and is going to be bigger the next time it kind of like came together fast and and was right around the time when everybody had to either opt in or out and so we had a a little difficulty with like there's just not enough time but it's going to keep getting better and better and so i feel like um being able to empower our staff and artists and everything you know like being able to um tell them like hey we have a workshop on taxes and yeah i was going to talk about that next yeah, it's kind of like what I feel like what we've taken away from it is just making sure that all this comes back to not not just the owners, but the people who are actually making the, the thing happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I, I was really struck by that in, in reading all the the accomplishments civils had is being able to offer those services like, uh, you know, tax prep for for people in the industry. And then, you know, like the sexual harassment training, like I'd have to imagine with everything that's gone on over the past couple of years, like what you have started out thinking civil is going to be versus what it is now are pretty different mm-hmm. places. We, um, Oh, I forgot what I was going to say um, about the taxes. Oh, so the, what Jennifer was talking about with Chris, 
is huge. So he met like several times a week for months and came up with the Neva care and that's health insurance for the employees and the artists. And it's huge. Now I will say it came like a little bit late. It just took a long time. So it was right before the marketplace closed, but I mm-hmm. think get way more traction next year. And to Jennifer's point, we're trying to provide services or resources to our staff because without them, we're nothing mm-hmm. as well as you know? And so one of the first things we did was we raised funds for our staff. And what we did was, again, speaking to community organizing, all the owners were like, hands off. We let the staff define who should be funded, how they're funded. They reviewed the applications. Um, they all signed the NDAs. And so it was implemented, designed by staff entirely, you know, because we would have, and it was really uh, heartwarming because they did a survey who should get funding first and staff was so generous. They were like, anyone, if the two partners work at a club, they go first. If they have children, well, they go first. And if anyone has gotten COVID, you know, that they should be bumped up on the list, but they were so generous to each other. And then we, you know, gave out those grants that were about 500 bucks piece. And then we uh, moved to giving funding to artists, Mm -hmm. always keeping in our sight line that without the staff and the artists, you know, we'd be, you know, Mm -hmm. we'd be so. I guess that's also like the the value of, of the independent venues, as opposed to huge conglomerates is that we're, it's not like somebody's booked and then you you don't see them. And we are actually like walking them into the dressing room and talking to to whoever, like, what do you need? And, and, and hearing from everybody um, the problems and and the the things that the the struggles that they're having. So it's very personal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, so is there anything that, uh, so that's my train of thought. Okay. Starting over. Uh, what are some ideas that you you've taken from like during the pandemic that you're like, whether that be health and safety stuff or, or how you've operated the club. And then you've been like, this makes sense to do this moving forward for my venue. If anything. One thing that just started last week for us is um, because we've had, we didn't used to have a door person regularly. We're on the second floor, so we didn't really have trouble with security. But um, when we open, when we reopen right away, we established that it was vaccine only. And so we now have a door person who checks the vax cards against the IDs and all that. And it, and so we became aware that we're such a huge space um, and we've had difficulty with just communication among the staff, like finding each other, you know, somebody has a problem at the door and they have to travel around 7,000 square feet to try to find a manager or something. So we're, we're experimenting with different kinds of like walkie talkie systems and stuff like that. And just trying to make sure that the staff feels like they're supported and taken care of as best as we can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think, um, my personal um, takeaway is to compartmentalize. Um, I can't minimize the stress that we were under. I mean, because as Jennifer said, you know, we're very close to our staff. So to understand there's, they were struggling and, you know, we're about to not only um, was my venue at risk, but all venues were at risk. And so, you know, it was like, I can go without sleep. You know, we have to get this through. Mm-hmm. Um, but to learn how to compartmentalize. So to mm-hmm. just, okay, this is what I'm going to work on for this hour or two, but it can't carry over. Like it can't sit. I don't know. It's hard to explain and to learn this word is so overused, but to pivot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We streamed and then we used one of the formats we used you know, we got some pushback and then we had to change and to just be like, okay. Mm-hmm. And every day it's a new thing, you know, and whereas before um, it was almost like it was a machine. Everything was working just beautifully. I mean, something might break, but okay, it's normal. But this was like really life altering things were happening almost mm-hmm. on a daily basis and trying to manage 
all that was happening locally, statewide, nationally, and then just in our own house, in our own venues. And so I think mentally, I've just realized that it's to compartmentalize and because uh, it's it's too much if you take it all in and then mm-hmm. lean heavily on my colleagues. And, you know, I think the biggest takeaway is that we have each other mm-hmm. and we can talk quite candidly with each other. And that is a huge relief. You know, even if you have business partners, it's great to talk to other venue owners. Sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. What was what was that level of communication like prior to civil being up and running? Uh, Jennifer, let's start with you. Was there any sort of communication between clubs in the comedy? I would circuit? say it was somewhat not. I mean, there was there was communication between sort of IO and Second City and the Annoyance. Um, and I have to mention the Playground Theater. They did close because of COVID, and that was sad to lose them. Oh, um, really? I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah. Uh, there was some. Um, communication, but it was sort of like, you know, here and there, and now mm-hmm. it's much more regular and much more, um, you, you feel like it's a part of your day-to-day existence. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's great. Katie, what about you? Same, same thing. I knew a lot of the club owners um, simply because, I mean, not all of them, but I knew like Bruce and Joe and Ray. And so I called the people I knew. Um, but I knew them because I went to shows mm-hmm. or they would come to the hideout or, um, you know, I'd have to hit them up for a guest list spot because the show was sold out, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And we did, um, there was a festival that Shuba started called TNK and that's in January, but that was probably the only time that all of us collectively worked together on anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I mean, this is life changing. Yeah. 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 So I, I can't commend you enough for, for you, yeah. every part of your contribution that both of you have. That's, that's really great. Um, Mark, before we get to uh, Chicago questions, um, I, I'd, I'd like to hear from uh, uh, both Katie and Jennifer on what things they're most excited about uh, coming up, w- you know, with their venues, the, the hideout annoyance mm-hmm. theater. I mean, what what are things in the next year or two, whatever that that r- really get you pumped up about it? We're I'm really excited because we're really leaning into the whole um streaming thing. And, and what we sort of discovered from that is that a lot of, a lot of the um, people that were part of the annoyance and then have moved on and gone to other places are able to be a part of it again. And that's been huge for us. So we're exploring, trying to um, create our, our smaller theater as a, a streaming studio. Oh, wow. Um, I'm trying to figure out the, the architecture and the funding for that, but um mm-hmm. We want to make that much more a part of what we do. And so that hopefully we can increase our fan base from not just Chicago to have it be all over the, all over the world. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing thing. Yeah. Jennifer, I have some ideas for you of who to call. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that can be helpful. Playing out real time. Yeah. 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 People that can be helpful. Well, for me, um, this weekend is our South by Southwest send off party, which is always such a joy. So, well, it's, it's madness, but mm-hmm. we, the madness. <laughs> so it's like nine bands in eight hours. So, you know, do the math. Um, it's just like South by like the bands are on the stage for half an hour and then we flip it. And it's so cool because, you know, you have a punk band and then a folk band. And it's, it's wonderful because it shows the depth and diversity of the musical landscape here in Chicago. And then the other thing is, as you can imagine, artists during COVID, they, you know, they're artists. If they don't create, you know, they have to create. So just the new music that's coming out mm-hmm. and they're so anxious and inspired to play. So, you know, really kind of looking forward to all the new work that people have created um, during this time of shutdown. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And awesome. then ongoing relationship with our civil members and NEVA members and yeah. Awesome. Uh, so now we're going to segue into Chicago questions. So uh, these feel free to as much or as little uh, in your expl- answer as possible uh, or as you, as you want. Uh, thick, like deep dish pizza versus thin crust tavern style. What's your preference? 
totally depends on the time of year. If it's winter, I want the deep dish. If it's summer, <laughs> I want the thin crust. Okay. I'm a Giordano's and Sarpino's girl. Okay. I uh, like it. Thin all the time. Okay. What's your spot? Uh, Lou Malnati's. Lou. Lou thin. It's okay. two blocks from my house. So uh-huh. they are. <laughs> Pretty easy barrier of entry yeah. right there. Uh, aside from your own spaces, where are your favorite venues to to see music or see a comedy show? Oh my gosh, uh, Empty Bottle, Hideout, Martyrs. Um, I you know I'm I'm always so happy to go to uh, Second City and see so many of the people that started with us and have moved on mm-hmm. to there. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I never go out. So no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, it, it depends on. Okay, this is a very political answer. <laughs> and uh, it depends on who it, the music, really, the talent. So to me, every room in Chicago has their own unique kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. So you know, like Martyrs is. I always think of them. They do a really great job with world music. You know, Metro is the bands that either have you know, really exploded and now they're coming back or vice versa. Thalia is absolutely gorgeous. The bottle just, you know, it's the bottle. Mm-hmm. Shubas is so cozy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Annoyance, I had never been to Annoyance until we hosted uh, the SBA administrator. And so it was cool to see Jennifer's face and um, Theater, I don't, uh, Tim, my husband, Tim, goes to more theater than I do, so he'd be better. I've been to Steppenwolf and, you know, but we're not regulars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, it, it is like, I mean, not even saying just to be politic, but it is the other cool thing about these independent venues is they each have such a such a different feeling to them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you, you can't really single out one and say like, Oh, it's the best because they're, it just, it depends on what your mood is and what you want to get. You're going to find it somewhere. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. You want to be up all night, go see a show at empty bottle. Yeah. Sorry. This is my ongoing joke about how they always start so late. Uh, <laughs> oh my so- God. It's so funny. You say that. Cause I'm always like, are we starting our shows too late? You know, and we're always like, you're doing it right for my experiences at the hideout you guys are doing it right uh not that to say empty bottle is uh no. so and we've we've talked we've danced around this we've talked about it off and on what do you think makes chicago so unique comparison compared to like other markets like la or, or new york mm-hmm. so when i lived in new york i used to describe it as like new york is like you're you're going to a place where there's a huge circle of people holding hands as tight as they can. And you kind of keep bumping up against it and eventually you get in and then you, and then it's an amazing feeling when you get in and Chicago just feels like a big bowl of jello and you just dive in and everybody's <laughs> nice. But what flavor jello? <laughs> you can choose your own. Um, That's a good thing about there it. There you go. Yes. 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 Um, I think John Langford said it the best. I hope I quote him right. Although Jennifer, I'm going to use what you just said. I think that's good. Um, it was something like this in LA. They talk about what their next project's going to be in New York. They talk about who their project is going to be with, who they're going to be working with. And in Chicago, we just get to work. Right. Uh-huh. So it's, and the other thing is that uh, in we have a very collaborative environment. So artists are forever mm-hmm. working with each other. And I don't think that happens as often in other cities. And again, I, I think it's funny. We always go New York, LA, and you know, we're the flyover, right? Instead of like comparing ourselves to New Orleans or Seattle or Portland. Sure. And I do think those other cities are collaborative in nature, but I think that there's a camaraderie here. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Chicago with artists. And then I think what makes Chicago so unique is the people. And we're so resilient. You know, we've kind of like seen it all, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the aldermen are indicted right now. You know? <laughs> oh. And then just the weather. You know, I just was in, I was actually in California and Arizona and I came back and I was like, this is what makes us so resilient is because we have to like literally shovel our way mm-hmm. up. And go to work, you know, like, oh, okay, you know, what's next? So, yeah. 
hopefully no more times this year for the right. shoveling. Yeah. Uh, right. So what have you guys been listening to lately? Anything good? Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm like obsessed. Um, this always happens to me whenever I try to think of a band name, it goes out of my head mm-hmm. and I'm obsessed with them. Hold on. The happy fits. I'm obsessed with the happy fits. Okay. Awesome. Okay. okay. You're going to think this is funny, but right before I got on this call, I went and listened to the Dixie chicks only because there's a song goodbye Earl. And mm-hmm. And my friend and I were working with somebody named Earl and we want him to go away. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, check out this song. Um, So, yeah, there you have it. And then, you know, all the bands that are coming at the South by Southwest. Yes. Yes. So be there. Yeah. They're oh, awesome. And then there's some that are doing the send off party that I love. Um, so Kaina, who is actually playing at the Metro on Saturday as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Tasha, I love, you know, for local bands, Andrew Sa. Mm-hmm. I can I mean it's so old school, but I can never get enough of the Waco brothers or anything John Langford's doing. Mm-hmm. A welcoming presence on the stage, and he is so hilarious. Um, I went back old school and like listened to uh the sea and cake. Mm-hmm. Well, there's certain music that I love them embraced. Yeah. And then, I mean, all my staff will tell you, I'm kind of a freak about Shamilla Woods, like <laughs> crazy. I love her. She yeah, came to the so hideout good. once and I was like, during the shutdown. And I think they like somebody called somebody to tell her to come by. And I was just like, and we already closed. So we just hung out, but nice. I think she is a treasure. Like, yeah, she's very talented. California, I was helping the bartender, you know, play music, and I insisted that she put that on. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so our final question is this is my favorite one, is what's your favorite cheap drink? What's your go-to cheap drink? Like lately I've been really enjoying rolling rock, but usually it's PBR for me. Wow, oh, cheap drink. <clears throat> I mean, really cheap is soda water, but (laughs) 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 Um, I drink um, rye whiskey and I, and the brand that I love old Overholt is very cheap. So I enjoy that a lot. Oh, that's our, that's our rye. So we we have (laughs) our one signature drink at the height of is the wooden leg and it's made with that. Yeah. So I have to say margarita and I know it's not cheap, but Tuesday was international margarita day. Mm. Do you love that? And I celebrated it. (laughs) Shout out to Keenan O'Reilly's. I don't know if you guys ever been there. I got a margarita there one time and they were like, looked at me like, are you fucking kidding me? And they went, (laughs) it was was amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Oh, good to know. Yeah. Yeah. So if you ever find yourself at Irving and Ashland, highly recommend getting a margarita there. Okay. Don't tell him I sent you. Uh, <laughs> I just want to say thank you both so much for, for yeah, being this so was open awesome. and, and sharing your time with us. Is there anything either one of you would like to plug on your way out? Uh, man, there's just so much good comedy happening at the Annoyance every single night. Just come by, have a drink, and laugh. Awesome. Can confirm. And so we all need a laugh. That's great. Yeah, yeah, especially now. I I just want to give a big, wet kiss to the citizens of Chicago. I mean, seriously, people rallied, they Mm -hmm. made calls, they came out, they supported us. If not for them, you know, I I just, I am forever indebted to the, our customers. And when I say our customers, I mean, all of our customers. And Mm -hmm. I think that Chicago is notoriously, um, people always say that in Chicago, we really support in particular theater, you know, and then also venues. But I just think a big thanks to the folks that live here and come to our shows and support us. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for all your hard work with civil and keeping your venues open and helping share that knowledge and experience with everybody. Can't thank you enough. No problem. Thank you. We'll see you guys Saturday, maybe. Yeah, Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be there. Thanks so much for listening today. We are no wristbands. We drink for free. Music, of course, has been provided by Merlin Wall. Please check them out on Spotify or on Bandcamp. 
Please also subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at No Wristbands and check out our website at NoWristbands.com. 